We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 268 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, March 10th, 2022. So on Wednesday's show, episode 267, in discussing the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade, I brought up how high of a price the then Redskins paid in that trade. And I made that point by comping that trade to another trade. The Philadelphia Eagles Carson Wentz trade. Little did we know that our commanders later in the day would make a Carson Wentz trade of their own. A mega commanders quarterback news Wednesday in the nation's capital. The commander's big move at quarterback this offseason, at least in terms of an acquisition of a veteran, because a big move could be coming in the NFL draft. We'll see. But the big move for the commanders at quarterback this offseason, at least in terms of an acquisition of a veteran, does not end up being Aaron Rodgers, does not end up being Russell Wilson, And now certainly looks like it won't end up being Deshaun Watson or even Mitchell Trubisky. No, Carson Wentz is the acquisition. As Jason Wright said on 2.2.22, there it is. There it is. Yes, Jason. There it is. There it is. How do we feel? about Carson Wentz as the acquisition. How do we feel about the commanders trading for Carson Wentz? Uh, Don't all stand up and cheer (laughs) at once. Uh, Look, am I thrilled about this? No, I am not, okay? I had been saying that I did not want the commanders touching Carson Wentz. I wanted no part of Carson Wentz, not with all of the red flags that had emerged with him with the Indianapolis Colts. Well, the commanders aren't just uh, touching Carson Wentz. The commanders are trading for Carson Wentz. The commanders are welcoming Carson Wentz to the organization with open arms. We have a lot to discuss, my friends. Next segment, in-depth analysis of the commanders trading 
for Carson Wentz. I will take you through the concerns, including another concern that emerged on Wednesday. Everywhere you look, you got red flags popping up with uh, Carson Wentz here. I will discuss where we're at contractually with Carson Wentz because that matters a lot. And I will talk about the potential upside of the trade. I don't want to be all gloom and doom, okay? I am a Commanders fan. I do want the Commanders to succeed. I do want this trade to work. I just have major concerns about this trade working, but there are reasons for at least some optimism uh, with Carson Wentz on the Commanders. Now, prior to the Carson Wentz news breaking on Wednesday, I take the lengthy conversation with Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic DC. What I'm going to do is play for you the parts of the conversation that remain relevant and that are not dated uh, off the trade being agreed upon. I thought about just canning the whole thing, but there's a good bit of it that does hold up just fine. Uh, Ben was really good talking about why the commanders didn't trade for Russell Wilson. What's going on with this attempted renegotiating of Landon Collins' contract? That was a news item that Ben broke earlier this week. Uh, We also got into whether the commanders are going to re-sign J.D. McKissick, why Ron Rivera is retaining Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio and more. So you will hear my chat with Ben regarding those things coming up in a bit. Also on the show, I will recap a loaded night of games in Washington, D.C. area sports. I will talk conference tournaments in college basketball. Uh, Navy, sadly, did not win the Patriot League tournament final. Uh, Georgetown season is over, and perhaps Patrick Ewing's tenure as Hoyas head coach is ending as well. 57-53 loss to Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden in New York City in the first round of the Big East tournament on Wednesday night. But Virginia Tech and Virginia advanced to the quarters of the ACC tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York with victories on Wednesday night. Victories that came in uh, oh-so-tight fashion uh, for the Hokies, a 76-75 overtime win over Clemson on a Darius Maddox game-winning contested pull-up left wing three as time expired in overtime. What a moment for Virginia Tech. For the Cavaliers, we had an ugly but an effective uh, 51-50 win over Louisville. I'll also talk Capitals and Wizards of the Caps lost at the Edmonton Oilers 4-3 in overtime on Wednesday night despite two third period goals from T.J. Oshie, including a game-tying even-strength goal with less than two seconds left in the third period. And the Wizards lost at the Los Angeles Clippers 115-109 late night on Wednesday night. So a lot to go through for you and me on this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So much feedback on the commander's trading for Carson Wentz. Email from Eric from Weedman. Uh, writes Eric, who has been going to Redskins slash Washington football team games for years. Uh, red flags everywhere. Lousy recent play. An ex-Eagle. Multiple draft picks. A $28 million salary. This will not sell seats. I really wonder about this move. Please help me see where I am wrong. Uh, Well, Eric, uh, I hope that you are wrong. I fear that you are right. Uh, There are a few potential positives with Carson Wentz. Uh, Like I said, we'll be getting into those next segment. Email from Stanley Evans. Right, Stanley Galdi, I can't take this anymore. Wentz has his ups and downs, but what I'm concerned about is his lack of leadership. QB is all about leadership, and he seems to be devoid of that. Eagles players brought up his weak psyche, and it doesn't seem any of the Colts players 
will miss him either. Email from Mike P. Writes, Mike, seeing Wentz get traded to the commanders on TV literally made me wince. This man cannot stay healthy to save his life. We saw a ceiling in 2017, but the best ability is availability. Rumors of him not being a leader of men troubles me as well. Accountability could be a problem. We went sideways, if anything, so that leads me to wonder why we sought out mediocre when we have mediocre. Yes, I will be going through the Carson Wentz injury history next segment as well. Email from Darren writes, Darren, considering that Wentz has a history of freaking out when his team drafts a rookie QB, I wonder if this means the commanders will not draft a QB. Uh, I tell you what, Darren, the commanders trading for Carson Wentz better not mean that they're now out on taking a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, That would infuriate me, okay? Now, I don't want the commanders taking a quarterback just to take a quarterback. I do want them to take someone who they like, but I don't want the commanders not taking a quarterback in the 2022 draft just because uh, they're now trading for Carson Wentz, okay? Carson Wentz is maybe a stopgap measure at quarterback, and you know what? If he does really well, maybe, just maybe, he ends up being the long-term franchise quarterback who we've been seeking for decades as fans of the team now known as the Commanders. But the plan cannot be Carson or bust, okay? The plan can include Carson Wentz, okay? We don't have a choice now, but the plan cannot just be Carson Wentz. This cannot be the Carson Wentz show, okay? I still want the commanders thinking big picture. I still want the commanders thinking major upside. I still want the commanders trying to hit a home run with a quarterback taken in the NFL draft. Now, again, you got to like a quarterback to take a quarterback. Don't just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. But I don't want the acquisition of Carson Wentz removing the possibility of the commanders taking a quarterback in the 2022 draft. Email from Yeno, writes Yeno, as you field all of the comments from your flock of fans lamenting, and Yeno writes, lamenting, in all caps, uh, the Wentz deal, and talking about how Wentz sucks, blows, etc., you might direct those naysayers to YouTube to watch Wentz versus the Redskins on a Monday night in October 2017 when Carson made a Houdini-like escape versus a monster rush, scrambled away, and somehow completed a bomb down the field. Yep, I'm an Eagles fan, and remember that play well, as we were some three-plus months away from winning the Super Bowl. No reason to think that Wentz can't do that type of thing in the right situation. Dude's only 29. Uh, you know, I remember that play. Uh, how could I forget that play? Uh, that's one of the best plays that I've ever seen a quarterback make against the Skins. I would love for Carson Wentz to still be able to play like that, okay? But I have my doubts that he can still play like that. 2017 was five years ago now. Five years is a lifetime in the NFL. And Wentz, since that Monday night game, has dealt with a torn left ACL, a back injury, a concussion, has undergone a left foot procedure, and has seen his career go down the tubes via one of the worst seasons that you'll ever see an NFL quarterback have with that 2020 season, his final season with the Philadelphia Eagles. But trust me, few things would please me more than the Carson Wentz of 2017 being in effect for the Commanders in 2022. Well, if you want to affect your business in a positive way, 
then put ImageWorks to work for you. You know, if ImageWorks is Carson Wentz, ImageWorks most definitely is the 2017 version of Carson Wentz. Do you own, run, or work at a business that you want to grow? Does your brand need to improve its overall customer experience? Do you want to impress clients with the story that your business tells digitally? If the answers to any of these questions are yes, then put ImageWorks to work for you. ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company. ImageWorks is located in the DMV, but ImageWorks serves the entire country. ImageWorks utilizes a virtual approach with the latest video meeting software to engage, communicate, and share award-winning designs. And ImageWorks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. If you're curious about ImageWorks, take advantage of this free offer. You have nothing to lose. ImageWorks is offering a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. ImageWorks and you will plan with digital web and marketing goals that you can see live via ImageWorks customers portal. The portal shows you how all goals are performing in Google Analytics and how all marketing programs and website visitors are behaving. You see, ImageWorks is more than a branding and marketing firm. ImageWorks is your collaborative partner, your one-stop shop for business growth, ImageWorks will take your business to the next level. So here's what you do. Go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. That's imageworkscreative.com, image one word, works plural, creative.com, imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact near the upper right corner, and just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. ImageWorksCreative.com, upper right corner, mention the Al Galdi podcast. Also, you can call or text the owner of ImageWorks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. Scott's a big fan of all Washington, D.C. area teams. He is a regular listener of this podcast, and he loves brainstorming ideas and technology that can help you grow your business. Scott has been doing what he is doing since 1996. ImageWorks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. And if you would like to grow your business or practice, put the power of the Al Galdi podcast, put the power of the pod uh, to work for you. Podcast advertising works, podcast Advertising is very affordable. Podcast advertising very much gives you a bang for your buck. Just hit us up and see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Well, consider the following from our friends at WinBed. The commander's odds to win the Super Bowl for the 2022 season prior to the Carson Wentz news breaking on Wednesday were 60 to 1. The commander's odds to win the Super Bowl for the 2022 season after the Carson Wentz news broke on Wednesday, were 75 to 1. Yes, the commander's odds for winning the Super Bowl for the 2022 season went down, not up, upon the news breaking that the team was acquiring Carson Wentz. That's not what is supposed to happen when your favorite NFL team makes a big move at the quarterback position. We were wondering and pondering and speculating, what now? for our commanders off them not trading for Russell Wilson. Well, now we know Carson Wentz is what is now. Carson Wentz is becoming a commander. Commander Carson, apparently, will be the commander's starting quarterback. The commander's QB1 
for the 2022 season, at least to begin the 2022 season. Although, you know what? At this point, I'm not counting on anything uh, with complete certainty. But the major quarterback news in the NFL continued on Wednesday as we on Wednesday afternoon got multiple reports that the commanders had agreed on a trade for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, What a last few days in the NFL, huh? Tuesday morning, the news broke that Aaron Rodgers is staying with the Green Bay Packers. Tuesday afternoon, the news broke that the Denver Broncos are trading for Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. And then Wednesday afternoon, the news broke that our commanders are trading for Carson Wentz. There has been a bunch of other stuff that has transpired in the NFL in recent days, but the quarterback stuff by itself is massive. Uh, The NFL's new league year doesn't even begin until next week, and already this week, uh, three huge quarterback developments. Uh, The Carson Wentz trade, like the Russell Wilson trade, cannot become official until the start of the NFL's new league year. Uh, The NFL's new league year will begin this Wednesday, March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, How about this? The Carson Wentz trade happened on the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. Amazing uh, how that worked out. So the terms of the trade, the commanders are getting Carson Wentz and a second round pick in the 2022 NFL draft, pick number 47 overall. The Colts are getting three draft picks, a second round pick in the 2022 NFL draft, pick number 42 overall, a third round pick in the 2022 draft, and a third round pick in the 2023 draft that could become a second round pick in the 2023 draft. So the cost for the commanders to get Carson Wentz is a swap of 2022 second round picks, a 2022 third round pick, and then either a 2023 third round pick or a 2023 second round pick. Um, I hope, I really hope that the Colts were not on the verge of releasing Carson Wentz. You know, the reporting on this Carson Wentz situation for weeks had been that, yes, the Colts might keep Carson Wentz, but also that the Colts might release Carson Wentz or the Colts might trade Carson Wentz. I really hope that the commanders didn't just give up draft picks and swap second round picks for a guy who was about to be available as an unrestricted free agent. Because remember, the commanders in making this trade aren't just giving up assets. The commanders in making this trade are inheriting Wentz's contract. Uh, Had the commanders signed Wentz as an unrestricted free agent, they could have signed him to, you know, a modest incentive-laden deal. Trading for Wentz means that the commanders are giving up something to get Wentz and are taking on his contract. As for that contract, Uh, The commanders are acquiring Carson Wentz as he has three seasons left on a four-year, $128 million contract extension that he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in June 2019, but that didn't kick in until the 2021 season. Yeah, the Wentz extension was signed years ago now, but the Wentz extension didn't actually start until this past season. Now, the good news for the commanders is that the contract only has guaranteed money remaining for the 2022 season. So the commanders are getting Wentz with the ability to part ways with Wentz after just one season with zero dead money. Uh, You love that flexibility from a commander standpoint, although, you know, the fact that we're highlighting that as a positive uh, doesn't speak well for the optimism regarding Carson Wentz working out 
for the commanders. When one of the best things that you can say about a trade acquisition is that the team getting the player can get out of his contract in a year with no dead money, uh, that's not a ringing endorsement of the player. Now, if Wentz is a hit for the commanders, well, uh, then they have him under contract through the 2024 season. Wentz's contract has the following remaining salary cap hits, 2022, $28.29 million, 2023, $26.18 million, 2024, $27.24 million. Uh, Those salary cap hits are actually quite good if Wentz is quite good, but will he be quite good? And also note this, Carson Wentz with that cap number for the 2022 season is now eating up a good bit of the commander's salary cap space. So we very well could be seeing some uh, commander's salary cap shuffling over the next few days here. You know, maybe some players being released, like maybe a Landon Collins. We shall see. Uh, I had made it no secret that I was not at all a proponent of the commander's trading for Carson Wentz. Uh, That didn't really have to do with him as a quarterback. Uh, That more so had to do with this, like, avalanche of red flags with him that had emerged. And those red flags are what have me very concerned with this trade. The red flags are glaring. The red flags are many. The red flags are impossible to ignore. I mean, if you are someone who follows the NFL, if you are someone who is a critical thinker as a Commanders fan, and I know that so many of you listening to this are critical thinkers as Commanders fans, because I hear from you people all of the time, It's impossible not to have questions about Carson Wentz. The red flags overwhelm you, okay? I mean, you have the red flag of the Colts moving on from Carson Wentz, despite having traded a 2022 first-round pick and a 2021 third-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles for Wentz just last offseason. I mean, what does that say? That the Colts, just a year after giving up a one and a three for Wentz, want out of the Carson Wentz business. You have the red flag of the Colts moving on from Carson Wentz, despite their head coach being Frank Reich. Uh, Yes, former Maryland quarterback, Frank Reich. But a major reason that the Colts traded for Wentz in the first place was Reich. Uh, Frank Reich was the Eagles offensive coordinator for Wentz's first two NFL seasons, the 2016 and 2017 seasons. And Wentz blossomed with Reich as Eagles offensive coordinator. Wentz for the 2017 regular season, it was number one among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL and total QBR per ESPN at 78.6. Carson Wentz for the 2017 regular season was an MVP candidate. And yet now, even Frank Reich apparently is good with parting with Carson Wentz as Colts quarterback. If the Carson Wentz whisper, Frank Reich is good with parting with Carson Wentz, what does that tell you about where Wentz is at in his career? You have the red flag of how Carson Wentz's 2021 regular season ended. Uh, It ended in horrific fashion. Wentz completely choked in the Colts' regular season finale for the 2021 season. The Colts in Week 18 cost themselves a playoff spot by inexplicably losing at the Jacksonville Jaguars 26-11. This was despite the Jags coming into the game just 2-14 in the 2021 regular season. This was despite the Jags coming into the game as 15-point underdogs. And Wentz was horrible in this game. Uh, Wentz for the game registered a total QBR per ESPN of 4.3. That is atrocious. Now, yes, that is just one game. You should never put too much stock into one game. 
But that was a significant game for Carson Wentz with the Colts, and Wentz came up really small. Uh, You have the red flag of Carson Wentz's prior season, the 2020 season, what remains one of the worst seasons that you'll ever see an NFL quarterback have. It was painful what went on with Carson Wentz in the 2020 season. This was his final season with the Eagles. Wentz in the 2020 regular season, despite starting just 12 games, ended up having an NFL worst tying 15 interceptions and taking an NFL worst 50 sacks. You also have the red flag of what Colts general manager Chris Ballard said about Carson Wentz just last week. We talked about this on the podcast. Ballard on March 1st spoke via press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, Ballard was completely noncommittal regarding the Colts keeping Wentz. Uh, That told me that Wentz was as good as gone from the Colts. But Ballard also said the following about a conversation that he had had with Wentz earlier that day. Take a listen. I'll tell you, I visited with Carson today in my office for an hour. It was good. It was really good. Um, I think handling, I think learning to handle the criticism, and it, I mean, I think what you always have to ask yourself, I, and always ask it with the criticism I get, which is, you know, some of it's deserved. Um, but is, I always ask, is the criticism fair? Is it fair? I'll take it in if it's fair. If it's not fair, then what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wasting my headspace on that. But if the criticism's fair, then we got to be able to look internally and accept that and grow from it. And look, I'm not saying all of your, it's, most of it's pretty fair. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how he grows from this. I think he will. So Chris Ballard right there talked about Carson Wentz needing to get better at handling criticism, said that criticism of Wentz had been fair, and said that Wentz needed to grow from all of this. Grow from all of this. Carson Wentz just finished his sixth NFL season. He, this past season, wasn't some rookie. He, this past season, wasn't some second-year player. And his general manager is talking about Wentz needing to demonstrate growth. I mean, how often do you hear a GM talk about a veteran player like that? He needs to demonstrate growth. So those Chris Ballard comments from last week, major red flag to me, regarding Carson Wentz. And now we have another red flag that came out on Wednesday afternoon, a major article that was published on Wednesday afternoon. Colts insider Zach Kiefer of the Athletic Indianapolis in a piece that came out on Wednesday afternoon wrote the following about why the Colts are trading Carson Wentz. Quote, as for the Colts, the issues with Wentz stretch back to before the season began, one source said, and over the course of the year, some grew frustrated at what they deemed a lack of leadership, a resistance to hard coaching, and a reckless style of play, which had a role in several close losses. But this wasn't just a football move. Wentz's play, inconsistent as it was to close the year, wasn't the deciding factor. Colts brass simply didn't trust him 
to be the franchise quarterback moving forward, and they weren't willing to bring him back in 2022 and hope for better. Thus, the decision was made swiftly after the Week 18 debacle in Jacksonville. Wentz wouldn't return for a second season in Indianapolis. End quote. I don't know about you. Some of the stuff in that passage that I just read is frightening, okay? Lack of leadership, resistance to hard coaching, isn't trusted to be the franchise quarterback moving forward, the Colts weren't willing to bring him back in 2022 and hope for better. Again, man, red flags. And so when you look at all of these red flags, all of these reasons for concern with Carson Wentz, how do you not at least question the commanders making this trade for Wentz? How do you not wonder about the commanders making this trade for Wentz? This is not being negative, okay? This is being real. This is being true to reality. This is being observant of that which has gone on. Okay, you can't just bury your head in the sand and ignore all of these things that I just took you through. Ron Rivera and his crew, okay, Don Ron and his crew better have done their due diligence on Carson Wentz because every single thing that I just went through is very disturbing about not just Carson Wentz, the player, but Carson Wentz, the person. And look, Ron Rivera isn't a dummy, okay? I'm sure that he's aware of all of these red flags. And so the hope is that Ron has vetted Wentz enough to where Ron is, in fact, comfortable with Wentz. I mean, at the end of the day, I am a fan of the Commanders. I will always be a fan of the Commanders. I will never not be a fan of the Commanders. I am rooting for Carson Wentz. I am rooting for Commander Carson And so I do want to at least highlight a few reasons for hope, okay? I don't want this to be like an entirely depressing segment. Uh, So let's at least explore a few reasons for optimism, a few reasons to think that this commander's trade for Carson Wentz just might not be that bad. So like I said, the contract, it's not like the commanders are locked into that contract beyond the 2022 season. He has no guaranteed money in the contract beyond this season. And if the team wants to keep Wentz, well, then that'll mean that things are going well and his remaining salary cap hits via the contract aren't terrible. You know, if he's playing at, say, a top 15 quarterback level. Also, Carson Wentz did put up some good numbers in 2021. It's not like he was awful this past season. You know, that passage from Zach Kiefer that I just read to you did note that the Colts moving on from Carson Wentz is more than just a football decision because the football from Carson Wentz in 2021 wasn't all bad. Uh, Carson Wentz in the 2021 regular season started all 17 games for the Colts. Carson Wentz for the 2021 regular season was number nine among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in total QBR per ESPN at 54.7. Yeah, Wentz was top 10 in the NFL in total QBR for the 2021 regular season. He actually was one spot ahead of Russell Wilson. And Carson Wentz in the 2021 regular season totaled 27 touchdown passes versus seven interceptions. Uh, That is a very nice touchdown to interception ratio, right? 27 touchdown passes to seven 
interceptions. Uh, it's interesting when you look at Carson Wentz through the prism of pro football focus. So Wentz for the 2021 regular season had an overall grade per PFF of 70.9. Uh, that's not great, but that is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Okay. I mean, if you are a fan of Tay-Tay, understand Tay-Tay for the 2021 regular season had an overall grade per PFF of just 59.4. Uh, pro football focus now has a wins above replacement metric, a war metric. Carson Wentz's PFF war for the 2021 regular season was 1.56. Heineke's PFF war for the 2021 regular season was 0.7. So Carson Wentz more than doubled Heineke's PFF war for the 2021 regular season. Now, uh, Taylor Heineke's 2021 season is not the standard by which all quarterbacks should be judged. But if you're trying to say, okay, well, uh, I liked a good bit of what I saw from Tay-Tay this past season. Okay, fine. Well, understand, uh, objectively speaking, Carson Wentz was better. There's also this, and this to me matters probably more than anything that we've talked about. The commanders making this trade for Carson Wentz does not preclude them from taking a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, in fact, if the commanders take a quarterback like, say, Malik Willis, who may require a redshirt year before starting, uh, then Wentz as a bridge quarterback could be just fine. You know, the key to this to me is that the commanders are still open and are still trying to take the quarterback in the 2022 draft who they like the best. I don't want the commanders just taking a flyer on some developmental quarterback in the sixth round. I don't want the commanders taking this acquisition of Carson Wentz to mean, hey, uh, we got to address something other than quarterback in the first round of the 2022 draft because we got to build things up around our new franchise guy, Carson Wentz. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, you continue to try to add to your quarterback inventory if, in fact, there is a quarterback in the 2022 draft who you like or who you believe possesses major upside, okay? If the commanders like a quarterback in this upcoming draft or really believe that a quarterback in this upcoming draft has major upside, the team needs to take that quarterback, even if that means trading up in the first round. You have heard me talk about two things with the commander's quarterback approach this offseason. If, in fact, the team doesn't trade for like an obvious franchise quarterback like a Russell Wilson, okay? Those two things are volume and upside. So by volume, I mean acquire multiple guys, i.e. get yourself another veteran and get yourself a rookie. And upside, acquire guys with upside, i.e. guys with perhaps some risk, but guys who, if they hit, could hit in spectacular fashion. Uh, acquiring Carson Wentz and St. Malik Willis, to me, would be checking those two boxes of volume and upside. And if you have two guys like those two guys and you still have Taylor Heineke, well, then you have a three-headed quarterback approach that maybe turns out to be a debacle, but also that maybe ends up yielding something or some things, you know? You can have a three-headed quarterback approach with those guys or, you know, people like those guys and just kind of see what happens, you know? See what works, see what sticks, see who stays healthy. Let the scenario play out. Uh, there is an argument to me that Carson Wentz does possess upside, okay? If you're trying to think of all of these non-great veteran quarterbacks available this offseason, who is the guy who has the highest ceiling? Well, it's not like anyone necessarily has a sky-high ceiling, okay? But it could be that Carson Wentz is the guy with the highest ceiling. I mean, Carson Wentz has played 
at a very high level in the NFL. He played at a really high level in the 2017 season. He at times played at a pretty good level in the 2021 season. The problem again is why the Colts are so willing to move on from him after just one season. It's very tough to get past that. Look, Ron Rivera whiffed on Russell Wilson. Ron tried his darndest to trade for Russell Wilson, okay? I'm not mad at the effort put forth by Ron to get Russell Wilson, but at the end of the day, Ron did not get Russell Wilson. Uh, Ron didn't even get a chance to swing at Aaron Rodgers. Ron may not have ever gotten a chance to swing for Deshaun Watson. I would think that acquiring Carson Wentz now means that Deshaun Watson is off the table for the commanders. We'll see. And Ron was maybe about to whiff on even Mitchell Trubisky, you know, given the free agent market that seemingly has developed for him. So Ron had to do something. And of course, he for a while now has felt a ton of pressure to do something at quarterback this offseason. And the potential some things were dwindling. And so now Ron has done something. Again, I really, really hope (laughs) that the Colts weren't about to release Carson Wentz and that the commanders aren't trading for him when they didn't have to trade for him. They could have signed him. And I really, really hope that Ron Rivera and his crew have done proper due diligence on what went wrong for Carson Wentz with the Colts. But if Don Ron is comfortable making this trade, then presumably he's comfortable with what he's getting in Carson Wentz. Uh, One more thing on Wentz, his injury history. So it's tricky with Wentz because he actually hasn't missed that many games in his NFL career, but he has dealt with a good number of injuries. Uh, Carson Wentz in December 2017 suffered a torn left ACL. Uh, That caused him to miss the rest of the Eagles' 2017 season, which, as you probably know, resulted in them winning the Super Bowl. Uh, That torn left ACL also caused Wentz to miss the first two games of the Eagles' 2018 regular season. Uh, Wentz, in December 2018, missed the Eagles' final three regular season games due to a back injury. Wentz, in January 2020, left the Eagles' 17-9 home loss to the Seattle Seahawks in the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs due to a concussion. And Wentz, for the Colts in the 2021 regular season, yes, did play in all 17 games, but he did undergo a procedure on his left foot in August 2021. So there is an injury history here with Wentz, although like I said, he hasn't missed that many games in his NFL career. The 2022 season will be his age 30 season. Uh, I have said this. I will say this again. I do not believe that we have heard the last of Taylor Heineke as Washington's starting quarterback, and especially if Wentz is going to be the commander's QB1 for the 2022 season, it is more than possible uh, that Heineke will end up starting a game or games for the commanders, either due to Wentz being injured or Wentz struggling. Uh, Bottom line, am I like a big fan of the commanders trading for Carson Wentz? No, I am not. Uh, Will I be rooting for Carson Wentz? Absolutely, I will be. Do I believe that it's possible that the commander's acquisition of Carson Wentz works out. Yes, I do. I do think that that is possible. Uh, Probable? Mm. Gosh, I'd love to say probable, but for now, I'll just say possible, okay? Can we settle on that? Can we just say possible right now? And so to Carson Wentz, to Commander Carson, uh, I do say welcome to the Commanders, and uh, good luck, because you, the Commanders, and all of us are going to need good luck. Well, prior to the Commanders agreeing on this trade for Carson Wentz, I had the chance to chat with Commanders insider Ben Standig of The Athletic DC. Uh, There's a lot of our conversation that unfortunately now is dated, so I'm not including it 
uh, in this installment of the podcast. But there are some things in the conversation that do hold up. And so rather than just uh, not play the entire thing, I'd like to at least play some of it for you because we do cover uh, some important items regarding the commanders. So you will hear my abbreviated conversation with Ben Standig up next. And among the things that we'll get into, the real story behind why the commanders did not trade for Russell Wilson and also where things stand with the commanders regarding renegotiating Landon Collins' contract and re-signing J.D. McKissick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so we on Wednesday afternoon had the huge commander's news of them agreeing on a trade for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. I, prior to that news breaking, taped a lengthy conversation with commander's insider Ben Standing of The Athletic DC. Uh, ben is one of my favorites. He is uh, also a senior NFL writer for The Athletic. He also is the host of his own podcast, the Standing Room Only podcast. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standig. Uh, this Monday, March 14th at noon Eastern, will mark the start of the NFL's legal tampering period, which is truly when free agency begins. And then this Wednesday, March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern, will mark the start of the NFL's new league year, meaning that free agent signings of players with expiring contracts can begin and trades like the commander's trade for Carson Wentz can become official. Uh, I have cut out the portions of my conversation with Ben 
that now are dated given the Carson Wentz news, but I did want to play for you the non-dated portions of the conversation because we covered a lot of ground here with the commanders and a lot of the ground is relevant to what's coming up here with the beginnings of free agency and the trading period. So we're going to get to some non-quarterback stuff with Ben, but we are going to begin with why the Denver Broncos and not the commanders are trading for Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. You were all over uh, what the commanders offered to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. You reported uh, that the commanders did, in fact, offer the Seahawks three first-round picks, but that the talks that ended with the Seahawks wanting to trade Wilson out of the NFC. What's clear from your reporting and others reporting on this is that the Seahawks wanted Wilson out of the NFC, but what's also clear from reporting that's out there is that Wilson also wanted to go to the Broncos. And after all, uh, he does have a no-trade clause in his contract. He could have nixed any trade. Uh, is it accurate to say that if Wilson had preferred to be traded to the commanders, that he could have made sure that he was traded to the commanders? Well, the no-trade clause gives him sway. I mean, Seattle could say, hey, we want to do this. And he could say, cool, I don't want to go to that team. This is where my preferred de- re- destination is. See what you can work out over here. And obviously, without debating what Washington's final offer could have been and how it would compare to Denver, you know, it would have been close enough, right? So from that perspective, Seattle would logically say, well, sure, whatever, we'll just do this, then nothing. But at the same time, I, you know, I don't know that that actually happened. I don't know. What we know is, based on my reporting and others have, have heard similar things, is that Washington was in the mix for at least three number one picks, that the talks didn't move beyond that because Seattle was intent on moving him out of conference. Now, that sort of sounds like spin. I grant you that. But I did talk to another team, uh, a a high-ranking executive with another team who was in the mix for Wilson, at least to some degree, and they said their impression as well was that Seattle wanted to trade him out of conference. And there was no real reason for this person to spin me. I mean, it's all off the record. Like I'm not, I don't cover that team. So there's nothing there. So I take that to a degree that that is what they wanted to do. Simultaneously, I heard that Russell Wilson wanted to go to Denver, which is different than saying he didn't want to come here. So I don't know that he looked, was, was said, okay, Washington, where are you at here? And he said, eh, I don't want to go that. I don't know. They wanted him out of the conference and he wanted Denver is what I can gather at this point. No question. And I think that it can be that Russell Wilson like didn't find the commanders to be repulsive, but just that he preferred the Broncos. You know, it doesn't have to be that Wilson despised the commanders. It can be that he just preferred the Broncos over uh, the commanders. I do want to ask you about some non-quarterback stuff because you've had a lot of good stuff here lately and free agency is getting going next week. So you on Monday reported that the commanders are seeking to renegotiate the remaining terms of Landon Collins' contract. Uh, Do you think that Landon is open to renegotiation? Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny to bring that up. I I thought that would get a little more attention than it did. Maybe it did. I don't know. But I I was surprised it didn't get more only because, you know, they've been saying to some degree like they, 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 they want to keep him. But if you bring up the renegotiation aspect, then it's kind of like saying, all right, well, here's where we're at. We don't like you. We like you. We don't like you th- that much at, the, at these numbers. And, and nor should they, right? The cap hit would be over $16 million. You, you would get dinged with a little over $9 million if you release him before June 1, save around $6 million or so. 
I think that's a reasonable request from their perspective to lower the number, especially if they're going to get a Mike linebacker. I don't even know what role Landon Collins has on this team with any regularity. That said, the question, your question is, will he accept that? Man, the guy who is super duper prideful about saying he's a safety, I don't know if that guy is saying I'm taking a pay cut. Uh, you, the question, I guess, ultimately that he and his agent would have to have is, if Washington wants to lower the salary and the cap hit, whatever that means, maybe it means the, will, everybody's willing to void the last two years of the deal so he can hit free agency or they add void years or whatever these fancy accounting people do. Is Landon Collins, does he think the lower salary that I'm going to get this year is equal or higher than what I can get out in the market? Because if it isn't and, he, and the money is important, it's important for everybody – then he maybe he says, all right, fine, I'll stay. But if the pride kicks in, and I always say my favorite piece of philosophy that I try to remember, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, in Pulp Fiction, the Ving Rhames character, when he's telling Bruce Willis he's going to throw the fight, he's telling him, you're going to feel a slight sting when it happens. That's just pride fucking with you. Fuck pride, it never helps. I always kind of try to remind that of myself when I start feeling like, I'm getting pissed off because somebody's, you know, I'm feeling that sense. How can we not think Landon Collins is going to think that yeah. based on how he reacted last year? So I don't know that it's going to go over well, but we'll see. If cooler heads prevail, maybe everybody realizes he's a, he, he, he played better last year after the move. He's going to make more money even on the lower number than he would out in the market. But on the other hand, we'll see. Yeah, Landon Collins was better in that safety, linebacker, hybrid role. We're not allowed to say linebacker in that Buffalo nickel role. But, you know, he wasn't like an all pro in that role either. He's not worth the money that he's making. If he's willing to renegotiate, fine. If not, see you later. I don't think this has to be ultra complicated. Uh, The commanders do have a good number of unrestricted free agents to be among the more prominent ones is J.D. McKissick. Uh, It certainly seems like the commanders want to re-sign McKissick it was interesting, though, Martin Mayhew in his press conference at the Combine made it sound like the commanders are slow playing, potentially resigning McKissick and these other unrestricted free agents to be. What do you think is going to happen with McKissick? Well, I, I expect they want him back. I, I think they do recognize his value. I think, though, that unlike last time when they signed a guy who was like, who? <laughs> you know, a relative guy that nobody knew. I think the other teams in the league now see his value as well. And I think... Um, J.D. McKissick will have a market. So it's all going to come down to just like often, right? Like what's the role? What's the contract terms? How do you make this work? And, you know, I think from Washington's perspective, I think they need more help in the backfield. Even if you keep McKissick, I've been writing for a while that I think them adding another running back to help offset Antonio Gibson's potential for injury, the fumble history. And also like he's, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this, you know, he's still leaving a lot on the table at times. I think they, and if you're going to have a lesser quarterback, you know, even if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, like how did San Francisco offset Jimmy Garoppolo? They ran the ball a lot. They, they were creative in, in various ways to take pressure off that guy. When this team had the four-game winning streak last year, it was on the back of Antonio Gibson controlling the clock, keeping the defense off the field. So I think they need more of that. McKissick isn't the grinded-out guy, but he's an effective piece. So I think they want to keep him. But when you let a guy hit free agency, I, I think, you know, all bets are off to a degree. So I don't know what percentage I would put on it, but – I, they want to keep him. Beyond that, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. 
One more for you. So you a while ago reported no changes were coming to the commander's coaching staff. I know there have been some changes since, but like the Pete Hainer retirement, Ron Rivera even said he didn't see that coming. There have been some minor promotions, but by and large, the coaching staff is remaining intact. Um, ultimately, and look, I'm not against these guys being retained, but I'm just curious. Why do you think Ron Rivera is sticking with Scott Turner as offensive coordinator and Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator? Like if Ron was asked to articulate why he's staying with those guys to have them each back for a third season with the team, what do you think the reasons would be from Ron? This isn't a smart ass answer, but why do you think he keeps bringing back people from Carolina? Like this has been the running joke for two plus years. Why do you think that is? It's the same reason I would think. Yeah. There's some comfort level. Like, I mean, he he's obviously known Scott Turner going back to Carolina. So I think there's a comfort there. And I think with Jack Del Rio, he's a guy he's known obviously in the league for years. He's not been here for the last two years. Ron Rivera gives those guys a lot of autonomy with what they do. He's not a uh, micromanager by any stretch. And I think having those guys take a lot off his plate, I think is something he wants. And if you then replace them, you have to then find somebody else that you feel comfortable enough to then do that same type of thing. So, you know, We've, we've we've all pondered these things till we're blue in the face, especially on defense. What went wrong? Did the players just not follow the plan? Did some of them get you know big heads after what happened the previous year? Did Jack Del Rio's scheme just completely fail to maximize the talent? You know, these are questions that they're obviously, hopefully, grappled with at various points this year, and ultimately they they've determined that they're good to run it back. Might be the right call. Obviously, they it generally worked pretty well the year before. Um, but I think a lot of it is just that comfort thing, that he knows what he wants to be as a coach, what these guys have done for him. And to replace them means i got to bring in somebody else that I trust. And he is clearly big on trust and comfort. Yeah, and I do think that there's something to be said for continuity. If Rod Rivera going into this all-important season three as Washington head coach now has a whole new offense and a whole new defense, who the heck knows what that means? Uh, making change could end up doing you more harm than good. So I'm fine with both Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio being retained. Uh, ben, I always enjoy our conversations. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, everyone listening, make sure that you check out Ben's work on The Athletic and make sure that you listen to Ben's podcast, the Standing Room Only podcast. Ben, much appreciated. All the best to you. Al, you're the best, man. Appreciate it. Well, it is called March Madness for a reason, and we had some madness with Virginia Tech and Virginia in the ACC tournament on Wednesday night. What was a loaded night in college basketball in the Mid-Atlantic region. So first of all, Navy did not win the Patriot League Tournament Final. Uh, that was a shame. I was rooting for the midshipmen. Uh, they lost at Colgate 74-58 on Wednesday night. So the mids do not get the automatic Patriot League bid for the NCAA Tournament. Uh, Navy was playing in a Patriot League Tournament Final for the first time since 2001. So for now, Longwood may be the only team in the Mid-Atlantic region that makes the 2022 NCAA tournament. Uh, Norfolk State does have a decent shot. Norfolk State on Wednesday evening did win Norfolk State's game in the MEAC tournament, 74-66 over Delaware State in the quarterfinals of the tournament, which is taking place at the Norfolk Scope. But you would think Norfolk State needs to win the MEAC tournament in order to make the NCAA tournament. Also on Wednesday night, we had the end of Georgetown's season and perhaps the final game for Patrick Ewing 
as Hoya's head coach. We'll see. But one of the worst seasons that any Washington, D.C. area team has ever had uh, is mercifully over. Number 11 seeded Georgetown lost to number six seeded Seton Hall 57-53 at Madison Square Garden in New York City in the first round of the Big East tournament on Wednesday night. The Hoyas concluded a 2021-2022 season in which they went 6-25 and overall and 0-20 and in the Big East and lost their last 21 games. I mean, that says it all right there. Georgetown this season went 6-25 and overall and 0-20 and in the Big East, and the Hoyas lost their last 21 games. If you are Georgetown Director of Athletics Lee Reed, I don't know how in the world you can sell a sixth season of Patrick Ewing as Hoyas head coach. The Hoyas have made the NCAA tournament just once in Patrick's five seasons as head coach. And that NCAA tournament was the result of a miracle run to win last year's Big East tournament, you know? And that run was great, but that run has proved to mean nothing. That run has proved to not be indicative of anything. Uh, The Hoyas offense on Wednesday night was terrible again. Hoyas scored just 53 points, went just 8 of 25 on threes, went just 11 of 37 on twos. The Hoyas finished with just nine assists versus 16 turnovers. Uh, Georgetown's offense can be brutal. Uh, Colin Holloway, just one of five on threes, just three of 10 on twos. He finished with one assist versus four turnovers in 39 minutes as a starter. We had another rough game for Caden Rice, the graduate transfer from the Citadel, 25 minutes off the bench, just two of seven on threes. So Caden Rice over Georgetown's final nine games this season went 12 of 57 on threes. Uh, Donald Carey on Wednesday night went just two of eight on threes. He did finish with 11 points, three steals, four rebounds, including three offensive boards and three assists versus one turnover in 34 minutes as a starter. And the 6'5", five-star freshman, Amina Muhammad, on Wednesday night, one of two on threes, three of six on twos. He finished with 12 points, 10 rebounds, and three assists versus three turnovers in 36 minutes as a starter. Georgetown lost despite playing good defense. Defense really has been the Hoyas' biggest problem. Defense was not the problem on Wednesday night. Hoyas held Seton Hall to just 57 points, just 8 of 23 on threes, just 14 of 34 on twos. And the Hoyas held Seton Hall to just seven free throw attempts for the game. Seton Hall went 5 of 7 on its free throws. But the Georgetown offense was nowhere near good enough. And a Hoyas season that has been a nightmare uh, now is done. And we'll see if Patrick Ewing is done as Georgetown head coach. Now to the madness in the ACC tournament on Wednesday night. So we have both Virginia Tech and Virginia fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. Uh, The Hokies have a better shot of making the NCAA tournament than the Cavaliers do, but each team has work to do in the ACC tournament, and each team did that work on Wednesday night, although, boy, doing the work was not easy. Uh, But how about the Hokies? Number seven seeded Virginia Tech beat number 10 seeded Clemson 76-75 in overtime in the second round of the ACC tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. The 6'5 sophomore, Darius Maddox, a guy who is from the D.C. area. Uh, he went to St. John's College High School in Washington, D.C. He went to Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. He connected on a game-winning contested pull-up left-wing three as time expired in overtime. One of those prototypical March Madness moments, Darius Maddox game-winning three at the buzzer in OT at Barclays Center 
on Wednesday night. This was some play by Maddox. He received an inbounds pass. He dribbled up the court, and he then connected on the three. Second big clutch shot for Darius Maddox in recent weeks. If you're a Hokies fan, Maddox in Tech, 71-70 win at Miami on February 26, connected on a go-ahead contested right wing three with 14.6 seconds left in the second half for a 71-70 Virginia Tech lead. Uh, This game on Wednesday night for the Hokies was their first overtime game of the season, and this win came despite the Hokies blowing a 14-point second-half lead. Yeah, this was almost a major gack job uh, by Tech. Uh, Hokies' defense was mixed. Hokies did hold Clemson to 8-23 on threes, but the Hokies allowed Clemson to go 20-37 on twos, got outscored in the paint by Clemson 34-26. Hokies did shoot well. Hokies went 12-28 on threes, 14-27 on twos. A good game for Keve Aluma. He went three of five on threes, four of 10 on twos, finished with 19 points, 10 rebounds, and two blocks in 34 minutes as a starter. Did have one assist versus three turnovers. Storm Murphy, five of eight on threes, 0 of one on twos. He finished with 15 points, four assists versus two turnovers in 33 minutes as a starter. And Justin Mutz, 0 of two on threes, but four of six on twos. He finished with nine points, 10 rebounds, including three offensive boards, two blocks, and two assists versus three turnovers in 37 minutes as a starter. Next up for number seven-seeded Virginia Tech, number two-seeded Notre Dame in the quarters of the ACC tournament Thursday night at seven. And then we have Wahoo uh, Number six-seeded Virginia beat number 11-seeded Louisville 51-50 in the second round of the ACC tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday night. Uh, pretty this game was not, but if you're a Virginia fan, you'll take this uh, in a heartbeat. Cavaliers uh, really have to try to make a run here in the ACC tournament in order to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid. Cavs won this game despite missing 16 of their first 18 shots from the field. Won this game despite going 0 of 6 on threes. Yeah, the Cavs didn't make a single three the entire game. Like I said, pretty this game was not, but the Wahoos defense was excellent on Wednesday night. Who's held Louisville to just 50 points? Held Louisville to just 5 of 22 on threes. Held Louisville to just 15 of 34 on twos. And the Who's again largely defended without fouling. Who's held Louisville to just nine free throw attempts? Louisville went just five of nine on free throws. Uh, The East Carolina transfer, Jaden Gardner, seven of 12 from the field, all twos. He finished with 17 points and four rebounds in 37 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter. Virginia's 5'10 senior point guard, Kihei Clark, 0 of two on threes, but seven of 12 on twos. He finished with 15 points, four rebounds, and two steals in 38-27 as a starter. Did have one assist versus three turnovers. Reese Beekman on Wednesday night, 0-2 on threes, just three of seven on twos, but he finished with eight points, nine assists versus two turnovers and five rebounds in 36-52 as a starter. Uh, rough shooting night for the Indiana transfer, Armand Franklin, 0-2 on threes, 0-6 on twos in 23 48 as a starter, but Virginia won. You know the cliche this time of year in college basketball, survive and advance, and Virginia, like Virginia Tech, survived and advanced on Wednesday night when it came to the ACC tournament. Next up for number six-seeded Virginia, number three-seeded North Carolina in the quarters of the ACC tournament. Thursday night, 
around 9.30. And also on Thursday evening, we will have Maryland in action in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, The Terrapins are the number 10 seed in the Big Ten tournament, which is taking place at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. The Terps will face number seven seeded Michigan State Thursday evening at 6.30 in the second round of the Big Ten tournament. We on Wednesday night had game two of the Capitals three game road trip through Western Canada. This was the second game of a back to back for the Caps. Uh, This game followed a 5 4 Caps win at the Pacific Division leading Calgary Flames on Tuesday night. Now, the Caps three game winning streak did end on Wednesday night, but the Caps did pick up a point and thanks to a really clutch goal late in regulation. Caps fell to 31 18 and 10 with a 4-3 overtime loss at the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night. Caps now have 72 points on the season, so the Caps now are just one point behind the Boston Bruins for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference, and the Caps now are 13 points ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets for the second wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. Just the top two wildcard teams in each conference will make the Stanley Cup playoffs, so the Caps have quite a bit of cushion between themselves and the Blue Jackets, who are third in the Eastern Conference wildcard standings. A big game for TJ Oshie on Wednesday night. He had two third-period goals and an assist. Uh, Oshie had a third-period power play goal. Caps for the game went one of four on the power play, so the Caps' power play was back to producing on Wednesday night. And Oshie had a game-tying even-strength goal with less than two seconds left in the third period. Uh, What a goal this was. Oshie scored on a one-timer from the high slot off a fake pass by defenseman John Carlson. I mean, that's a massive goal. You get a goal like that, 1958 into the third period, as Oshie did. You know, the Caps were far from perfect on Wednesday night, but they did battle. And uh, that goal by Oshie super late in the third period captured that. Also on Wednesday night, a milestone night for Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, he had a second period even trained goal, and he had a primary assist. So a two-point night for Backy. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom now has a 1,000 regular season points in his NHL career. He becomes just the second player in Caps history to record 1,000 regular season points with the franchise joining Alex Ovechkin. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Nicholas Backstrom getting to 1,000 regular season points in his NHL career. What a game. What a game he had. You know, uh, his line, Osh. Uh, Manta, that's that's a couple games in a row now that they've been really noticeable with uh, possession and um, generating offense. Um, so that was good and as far as Nick goes, and just uh, amazing the accomplishment to be able to reach that. And, um, and the game that he had backs it up and tells you why he got there. You know, he's just a, such an impact player for us, but unbelievable, unbelievable to reach that milestone. Yes, it is. Nicholas Backstrom, second best player in Caps history. Can't ever say that he's number one. Alex Ovechkin is number one, but Nicholas Backstrom pretty clearly is number two. Uh, Speaking of Alex Ovechkin, he on Wednesday night had no points, but he was super active, and he came within like inches of getting himself at least a goal. Uh, Ovi for the game, a game high, eight shots on goal, and a team high nine shot attempts. Uh, Because this game was the second game of a back-to-back for the Caps, Ilya Samsonov and not Vitek Vanacek was a Caps starting goaltender. Uh, Samsonov was a Caps starting goaltender for the first time in four games, and 
He, again, overall was not great. Uh, he stopped just 36 of the 40 shots on goal that he faced. I mean, this is why, at least for now, Vanacek is the Caps' number one goaltender. Although, it's not like Vanacek was great in that win at the Flames on Tuesday night. Samsonov on Wednesday night, like Vanacek on Tuesday night, a pernatural stat trick, gave up two goals on high-danger shots on goal, allowed a goal on a medium-danger shot on goal, and allowed a goal on a low-danger shot on goal. However, I do want to give Samsonov credit for this. He was great in the first period. Uh, Ilya Samsonov in the first period on Wednesday night stopped all 20 of the shots on goal that he faced. So this game ended up being kind of like a vintage Ilya Samsonov game because you saw why the Capitals have him as a goaltender on the roster because he is very talented and he is capable of playing really well. But you also saw the inconsistency with him ultimately giving up four goals in the game. But here was Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on the work of Ilya Samsonov, especially in that first period. He was really good, in the, especially in the first period because the... You know, they had some chances five on five, some in tight chances like right right in front of him and he made big saves and then the power play chances that they had off of the two power plays, I thought he was really strong with that as well. And you know, he, he gave us an opportunity to keep fighting tonight. Yeah, I'll tell you what, in defense of Ilya Samsonov as well, the Caps on Wednesday night got walloped in the puck possession battle again. Fifth consecutive game that the Caps lose the puck possession battle. Uh, they, per natural stat trick, had just 36 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Oilers' 49, including just three 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Oilers' 12. Now, you could say, well, this was the second game of a back-to-back for the Caps. Okay, fine, but that was not the case in each of the Caps' previous four games, and yet the Caps lost the puck possession battles in those four games. So Caps, you know, their process right now isn't necessarily the best, even though the recent results in terms of game results uh, have been good. Caps on Wednesday night, just three or four on the penalty kill. So disappointing that the Caps lost the game, but good that the Caps got the point, especially considering that the game was the second game of a back-to-back. Remember, Caps are without some key guys right now. Forward Carl Haglin out indefinitely off undergoing left eye surgery on March 1st. He suffered the injury in practice earlier that day. Forward Joe Snively is in the midst of a four- to six-week absence off having undergone a left wrist procedure this past Sunday. Next up for the Caps at the Vancouver Canucks, Friday night at 10. Well, as we have the Capitals in the midst of a three-game trip through Western Canada, we have the Wizards now in the midst of a four-game trip out west. Uh, Capital One Arena is hosting the A-10 tournament and thus is unavailable to our Capitals and Wizards. And so both the Caps and the Wiz are on the road. The Wizards began their four-game trip out west with a 115-109 loss at the Los Angeles Clippers late night on Wednesday night. Wizards now are 29 and 35 on the season. 14th consecutive loss for the Wizards at the Clippers. If you are a hardcore Wizards fan, you likely know that there are two teams at which the Wizards like never win. Uh, The San Antonio Spurs and the Los Angeles Clippers. The Wizards basically never win at the Spurs and basically never win at the Clippers. And the struggles at the Clippers continued late night on Wednesday night. Wizards blew a 10-point third-quarter lead. Wizards lost the fourth quarter 32-24. The Wizards' defense was not good in this game. Wizards allowed the Clippers to go 16-32 on threes, allowed the Clippers to go 27-54 
odd and twos and had all kinds of problems with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. Wizards allowed Reggie Jackson to go 5-9 on threes, 7-12 on twos. He finished with 31 points, 7 assists versus four turnovers and three rebounds. And the Wizards allowed Marcus Morris Sr. to go three of four on threes, seven of 11 on twos. He finished with 27 points, eight rebounds, and four assists versus one turnover. Uh, Now, the Wizards' offense lately has been good. Wizards on Wednesday night were decent offensively, but weren't good enough offensively uh, to where they were able to outdo the Clippers. Wizards didn't shoot as well as the Clippers did. Wiz went 10 of 27 on threes, 31 of 60 on twos. Those aren't bad shooting numbers, but those also are not great shooting numbers. Uh, Chris Dapps Porzingis in his second game playing for the Wizards, 2 of 5 on threes, 6 of 9 on twos. He finished with 19 points in three assists versus two turnovers in 25 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter. But he had just one rebound. Uh, that's not the way that that's supposed to go. One board for Chris Dabbs in 25-52 of playing time. Uh, Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope were pretty good, although they did struggle on threes. But the biggest positive to me for the Wizards on Wednesday night was their bench. Uh, the Wizards got three big performances off the bench. Daniel Gafford, Rui Hachimura, and Ish Smith were all good off the Wizards bench. Uh, Gafford in 21-38 off the bench, 7 of 11 from the field, all twos. He finished with 14 points and 10 rebounds, including five offensive boards. And with Chris Stamps Porzingis starting and Daniel Gafford coming off the bench, Thomas Bryant was a DNPCD for a second consecutive game. Uh, You know, the more you think about this, Bryant having an expiring contract, the Wizards having acquired Chris Stamps Porzingis, Daniel Gafford having been extended a few months ago, it sure feels like we are in the dying days of Thomas Bryant as a Wizard. Again, DNPCD now in each of the Wizards' last two games. Uh, Rui Hachimura on Wednesday night, 24-03 off the bench. He went just one of four on threes, but six of six on twos. He finished with 18 points and three rebounds. And my man Ish Smith, 15-35 off the bench on Wednesday night. Now, he wasn't great in terms of shooting and scoring. One of five from the field, all twos. He scored just four points, but he had eight assists versus no turnovers. He also had five rebounds and two steals. One of my favorite things to look at statistically right now with the Wizards is the Ish Smith assist to turnover ratio. Ish Smith, since being reacquired by the Wizards on NBA trade deadline day on February 10th, has played in 10 games for the Wiz. He, over those 10 games, has 55 assists versus 14 turnovers. An assist to turnover ratio of nearly 4 to 1 for Ish Smith in this second go-round so far with the Wizards. Uh, he's been really good. I love watching him. Uh, speaking of Wizards point guards, Hole Neto uh, did play on Wednesday night. That was good to see. He started the game, in fact, despite having suffered a sprained left ankle in the Wizards' previous game. That 133-123 win over the Indiana Pacers at Capital One Arena this past Sunday evening. Uh, Wizards, of course, do remain without Bradley Beal. He's out for the rest of the regular season due to that torn ligament in his left wrist on which he underwent surgery on February 10th. Next up for our Wizards at the Los Angeles Lakers, Friday night at 10.30. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. And boy, there is a lot of feedback to be had these days with what the commanders just did in making the trade 
for Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 269, will feature much more on the commanders off them having agreed on the trade for Carson Wentz. I will have a special guest on the show, and the guest will give us the truth about what went wrong for Wentz with the Colts. Bob Kravitz, senior writer for The Athletic. He is a longtime columnist and feature writer. He really is an institution in the Indianapolis market. He's a great person with whom to speak about what exactly went down with Wentz and the Colts. What exactly are the commanders getting here? in Carson Wentz. Also on Friday's show, a post-game conference tournament games in college basketball on Thursday night for Maryland, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Uh, The Terrapins will be competing in the second round of the Big Ten tournament at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. The Cavaliers and the Hokies will be competing in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Ten-seeded Terps will face seven-seeded Michigan State Thursday evening at 6.30. The six-seeded Cavs will face three-seeded North Carolina Thursday night around 9.30. That game will follow the seven-seeded Hokies facing two-seeded Notre Dame Thursday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. I'll tell you, I visited with Carson today in my office for an hour. It was good. It was really good. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.